Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden. And also featuring Megan Runyon, YA superfan. Pat Greiner, she has the head of an English major and the heart of a sci-fi nerd. These people are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls. Well, this is, oh, it is seven o'clock. Are we ready to rock and roll? Yeah. Should we do some introductions since there are several people here <clears throat> yes. that don't know us who are trying diligently to write papers and read books and we are trying, disturbing Trying them. hard to ignore us. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Cool. What's that? You're watching us on Facebook? Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> we promise to be moderately better behaved in person. Than we are on the podcast. Than we are on the yeah. daily. We clean it up for public. Yeah. Bonnie's phone's not on mute. Oh. I just did it. Martha. Oh I'm working on it. God. Oh, my God. Megan's the sound police. I am because it drives me bonkers when I listen to the podcast <laughs> and I can hear your damn notifications going off. She's a nitpicky old broad. <laughs> anyway, welcome, everyone. <laughs> we are three book girls, and you have noticed that there are not three of us. There are four, but actually five, because we started as three. And we've expanded over time, just like pregnancy pants do. Or regular pants. What? <laughs> what a horrible analogy. <laughs> just a little bit over time, just getting fatter and fatter and fatter. And now we're five book girls, but Keith is in Pennsylvania and couldn't make the trip this time. So I'm Martha, and I work for KISS FM on the radio here in Oklahoma City. My day job. Uh, I'm Megan. I work at OU Health on my day job as a corporate trainer slash the mean one in the office. I'm Vani. <laughs> Very nice to meet you. I work at a bank. I'm a funder. <laughs> so when that loan is not going through because of the paperwork, I'm the reason. <laughs> She's the paperwork. <laughs> I'm the paperwork police. <laughs> and I'm Pat. Uh, I'm from Casper, Wyoming. So I travel in for this one and i don't work at all i'm retired she's retired (laughs) pat and i have been friends for many 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 years and she just joined the podcast recently after so basically what we do every week is we review whatever we happen to be reading we don't read each other's books because we can't agree on a single thing never so we read what we like and then we tell you about it so that you can choose what book sounds most interesting to you? Now, isn't that a great deal? Your TBR list will explode. Yes, and we that is are not going to apologize for that because the no. world needs more books and the world needs more readers. So spread the love, people. <laughs> Anyone else just hate when you get an earworm? It's my job every day to play music. All of the songs on television are the ones that get me. The ones they use both the commercials and whatnot, and they all get stuck in my head. Uh, mine currently is courtesy of the new movie Don't Worry Darling and the song that Harry Styles and Florence Pugh sing through the entire movie actually Florence hums most of it and it's just this like earworm cannot get it out of my head do we know what song it is Megan or are you just gonna hum Um, no I can yeah it's not it's only in the movie like it hasn't actually so there's no equivalent outside so for those of us who did not see the movie we're just out of luck with the earworm yeah, and you should really thank me for it. So, so if you're earworm sensitive, don't see the movie. Is yeah, is because what you're she saying? because so in the movie she's like 
I can't give it away why she's singing the song, but she sings the song and no one else in the entire movie knows the song. And she doesn't know where she heard it, but it's um, the so it was she's like cleaning the house and stuff. She's just singing and humming this song the whole movie. Ugh. And um, hang on, let me look it up. But it's um, with me all the time, and it just like it's stuck in my head. Ugh. Okay, Megan. For four days. We already know what Keith. Oh shoot! Did, did I mention Keith in Pennsylvania? I did. Yes. Okay, so Keith's favorite song in the whole wide world is. Watermelon and sugar, high. Watermelon and sugar. High. There are so many better choices. She loves it. Ask her about it. Sing it to her. She will probably come for you. <laughs> There's a boob punch in my future. Yeah, I there can is. See it. Yep. <laughs> I have been in the ultimate earworm situation because I spent two months working on a production of a musical uh. at the community theater for which I was the choreographer. And it was nine to five, the musical. Uh, oh, I'm nine to Do- five. Dolly Parton is permanently installed in my head now. <laughs> oh, so the song is actually called With You All the Time. I think you could actually maybe sue for damages on that. Well, you know, there's, there's worse things. You could. I'm not a country music oh, fan, yeah, but that's I like true. Dolly. That, yeah, that's very true. Dolly it could too. be worse. Yeah. It could be uh, George Strait or yeah. something like that. Slacking over here. What's happening? There's so many comments. Um, Dara, I believe. Dara, yes. Hey, Dara. Dara's here. He, um, Keith said, yep, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew she would get into Shana the Shona L said, uh, George Strait is the king. Keith says Donna is a saint among women because she's been dealing with Shona G. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, Shona, and Shona Lawrence said, uh, earworms drive me crazy. Because like, especially when it's in something that not everybody else you has seen. I don't think you understand what I do for a living, Megan. I do understand what you do for a living. I listen to you every I couple play the couple days same the songs every single day. <laughs> I am aware. I am Day I, in. I don't know if anyone <laughs> knows. There's, there's a Target commercial that runs all the time and it's got some pop song on it that I can't place. But it drive it sends my husband right up the wall. Go- somebody does. Google that. Google the yes. music on the on the Target commercial. Of course I'm bossy. That's my that's my vibe. Did we, you not get? Do that? you have an earworm song, Bonnie? While we Google that. Well, since we were talking about Tiny Dancer, now that's stuck <laughs> that's in my stuck head. in your head. <laughs> I got two chickens to paralyze. No, that's Come on, not. that's great. I need a shirt that says that on it. I want one so bad. I feel like that goes under the category of misheard lyrics, which... <laughs> that's what makes it fun. Yeah. There was one a couple years ago, shockingly, I know I was at a Hanson concert. Shocking. I know. So I learned two or three years ago that I have been singing weird wrong for 20 years. <laughs> I mean, you would be surprised at how many people sing the wrong lyrics even though they're now readily available on the internet it used to be that you would have to buy the cassette and then you'd have to fold out all of the stuff the page and most of the time you'd fold it out and the lyrics wouldn't be on there anyway yeah or they'd be so small that you'd have to get a magnifying glass to see them oh is it this it wait what's okay hang on hold it up to the microphone yes i want you to play it Oh, Ron's going to love this if he's watching Facebook Live. I think it said it was called Good Time. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's B- I, think that's, um, yes. I think that's BTS. Is that BTS? Yep. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It is super annoying. Well, this says but you know what's the worst Anthony earworm on the planet? Oh, it's Anthony Ramos? How about oh, this? Oh, that's unfortunate. How about this? It's, it's not a even BTS. pharmaceutical commercial. 
Ozempic. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Ozempic. Yes. Yes. And I will run. I, I think that I could actually compete in some sort of a distance running event to get to the mute button on my television to I shut that off. I do hate that commercial. Because it sticks in my head every time I Shor- hear it. Yeah, Shor- Shorta Lawrence said it's also said it's Anthony Ramos. It's not BTS. But, oh, sorry. But Anthony Ramos is also problematic. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, when you cheat on your fiance at a What's gentleman's the- club in front of everyone when but you're I, famous I is a problem. the most earwormy song that should never be used. What? Oh my God, I hate that song so much. <laughs> but they use it on TV all the time. Because it's the best. Stop it. I okay. Immediately that was my fault. That was can, totally on me. Because I, I should have never brought that up. immediately like, be in the Lion King original movie. Ugh. Not the new one, because I can't watch... But if anything really to get the Don't oh, Worry Darling song out not of my to head, change, that would be great. Not to change the subject or anything, but here at Full Circle Books, they do such a great job of being, well, bookish, because that's what they do. But they make coffee and tea as well. And they've got a board up there that's Tolkien drink specials. Lembus Bread Chai, for example, or The Green Dragon. Or tree beard. I, this is a, a little fuzzy. It just says tree beard. Tree beard. The one ring <laughs> and second breakfast. Was the second breakfast good, Bonnie? Yeah, second breakfast. It's like pumpkin maple. Oh, yes. Um, Keith says her other annoying song is Running Up That Hill from oh, Kate Bush. Oh, God. Just consider this for that song. Consider 20 years ago when the song came out originally I had to play it on the radio and get an earworm. And now... 35 years ago. 35 years ago. Thank you very much. And now I got to go through it all over again. I still like it. So double Jeopardy earworm. Anybody ever get the Jeopardy song stuck in their head? (laughs) Yes. In our presence is Pat Greiner, former Jeopardy champion. One time. It still counts if you won once. Yep. (laughs) But yeah, that song... Yeah. Do you know that song has a name? Get uh, out. It's called Think. Seriously? It's really? Seriously. It is called Think. A Jeopardy champion would know that. Yeah. It's one of the things they tell you when, <laughs> when they're prepping you. <laughs> but By I mean, the way, did you know it, that the name of this song is Think? I, I do feel like... Oh, hi, Monica. I missed Monica logging in. Hello. Hi, Monica. Shona says, if you have young kids or grandkids, you know the most annoying earworm, but Barney. I'm not telling you what it is. Barney, that's what it is. Oh, oh. oh no. Do you want to know what the best part of that song is? Somebody gave Dylan a Barney when he was little, and I, of course, did not approve of having that in my house, so I gave it to Pat. Oh, is that where the, I'd forgotten where where that one came from. Barney came from. We had, uh, we had friends staying with us over Christmas, and they had a big dog, and we had a big dog, 
And we gave the dogs to Barney for their Christmas present and watched them destroy him. Just so they ripped ribbons. they ripped Barney to pieces as he was singing his he song, was, and the was, voice box was getting. <laughs> he was talking the whole time. I love you. Don't you want to play with me? Like, I want you to pop your voice box. There goes another arm. <laughs> Monica said actually, the and she videoed Monica it. Monica said great. the um, lamb chop never ending song, and then Shona said baby shark. You know who's the first person I'm not that, singing that it. called that to our attention was Jessica because she was babysitting a whole lot during we that time. We used to sing that when I was a camper, though, like when we would wait in line to go to You're lunch. You're way too young for your own good girl. <laughs> that was how they, because we did like... <gasps> okay, no, 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 no. Grandma no, no, and grandpa. No, 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 no. I'm not going to sing it. It's too late. I can't think of how it goes. No. Don't. I'm not. I'm telling her. <laughs> I'll Google it later. Yeah. yeah. I just sing my earworm songs to my dog. She likes it. <laughs> the dog that can't hear. But the hear. difference is, is <laughs> my that, deaf dog. Is that yeah. Bonnie makes up her own lyrics. Are there any? There aren't really any earworm songs in your the Lord of the Rings show because it's all orchestral. Yeah, I really love that show. That's a cool. I'm show. I'm behind. Maybe tomorrow I can catch up. Yeah, I think I watched the first. How many were uploaded the first week? Like the first two? I think there were two the first week, and then they're doing one okay. every week. From so I'm just then on. yeah, like two behind probably. Yeah, that's tomorrow's project. Yeah. It's, it, that's a good show. And then, of course, tomorrow is Sunday, so we get our Lord and Savior, Damon Targaryen, on my TV. Ugh. And I will support him in whatever war crimes he is committing this week. Of course you will. <laughs> because Matt Smith. But to completely divert Megan away from this subject... Hey, it is book-related. We're gonna, that's, that's book adjacent. No, that's a book. It's a book. There isn't canon written on yes, that subject. Is. Really? Yes, it's the fire and song, fire and something. It's one of the books. There's actually a book. Yes. Okay. You say Matt, Matt Smith, and all I can think of is the Matt Smith that was. Um, yes, that the is doctor. the same Matt Smith. It's the same one. It is yeah. the same Matt. Oh, okay. And, and he the doctor. And played the doctor. I don't think they expected him to like carry the entire show. <laughs> oh my god! No, I, I, have to, I have to tell you something that I just found out That's this amazing. past week, watching TikTok because it's the most <clears throat> awesome thing ever. Do you know when you get that little dinosaur when you get no connection, like mm-hmm, when your mm-hmm. internet? Do you know that's a game? It goes, oh snap! No, you push it, but and that's it, what like, it says. What? No, you if you click on it and push the space bar, the dinosaur starts <gasps> running, oh, no. and then you press the space bar, and he jumps like no. over cactuses and stuff. Yes, my, I am going to try this at work tomorrow morning. Yeah, it was on TikTok, and they're like. <laughs> Here's something I just found out today. I was... Today's old. Today old. Oh, and Mr. Keith says I am corrected as a book. Mic drop. Ugh. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to do that at work tomorrow because I always have to reconnect my work laptop to the Wi-Fi. So I'm going to not do that. And I'm going to play the dinosaur game first thing tomorrow morning. I seriously did it for like 10 minutes when I lost connection at my house. I was like... (laughs) Keith says she loves that game. So Keith, you didn't tell Keith us about this game. I don't think I've ever seen a dinosaur when I like when you lose yeah, connect, it, it says no and connection like, and it has a little dinosaur and it usually says oh snap and then there's a real is that an Apple thing pixely no no, no it's on my computer no it's like is it Chrome it might be a Chrome thing I think it might be a Chrome it thing. might be a Chrome thing I like it though is it Chrome that does that yeah I think the so. dinosaur yeah that would make sense I guess. That's I mean, amazing. I was on Chrome when it happened, so. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I, yeah. 
Matt Smith is it's the same Matt Smith. Okay. okay. Just with Why did you bring hair. it back to Matt Smith? I'm because more interested always. in watching that now. You should yeah. Because I like and Matt he looks Smith. So good. You know what? We should really change the subject and go to the the to main the, yeah, the we main went. reason why we're in full circle bookstore in Oklahoma City, which is an independent bookstore. And we would love very much for you to visit the store if you live in Oklahoma City. And even if you don't, like Donna, our lovely Donna made the trip from Kansas City, Missouri. Yay. Shona G came from, what's the actual D- town Denton. you live in? Oh. Aubrey, Texas. Um, and Rachel came from... And Rachel came from Lighthouse far, Lane. Far away <laughs> of Yukon. Far, far away. No, it's actually Tuttle. Or Tuttle, but, not Yukon. Yeah. Tuttle. And Pat came from And Pat away. flew from Wyoming. Full Circle Books is an awesome store. We always suggest that you um, support your local independent bookstores because we need more of those. And we need the ones that are there to stay in business so we can continue to come out and do our shows live. It's beautiful. I mean, I've heard you guys talk about this for years. Well, yeah, at yeah. least better in a year. You know? Yeah, and, yeah. And... I love the way they have different displays with suggestions like yeah. in all kinds of categories. Yeah, yeah. They've done a really good job in here. And they have the ladders. You can mm-hmm. you can bell yeah. style it around the full circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they get a little antsy if you try to actually slide the ladder I while don't, you're on it. I don't imagine they would slide very well. <laughs> they I think do. They're attached they slide. To the they just get a little antsy when you try to, you know, do the dancing can and sliding. Can I come and cosplay and just... <laughs> I'll, I'll push you while you stand up there. Yes. <laughs> okay. It's a dream. See, the ladder's right behind us. Yes, right you can. Mm-hmm. It's right. So, Vani, what did you, what depressing, sad, horrible thing are we going to hear about today? Well, it's not as sad and depressing as I usually read. Um, but it I, is a local author. It is a local author. And, of course, it is a historical fiction because, you know, that's my thing. It's called The Physicist's Daughter by Mary Anna Evans. Mm-hmm. This takes place in New Orleans, 1944, so in the middle of World War II. And our main character is a lady named Justine. And um, Justine's parents were both physicists. And her aunt was also um, a physicist. So she comes from a very smart family. So they started teaching her and educating her very early in life. So she's smarter than the average bear at this time in history. And um, she's working in a factory because, you know, the women worked during World War II while the men were at war. And one of the things that she had learned from her dad is how to weld. But of course, women welders at the time were very rare, I guess you would say, and it just didn't happen. The company that she worked for, they were creating these parts and these pieces, but they didn't know exactly what they were for. They were made out of carbon, and somebody in the factory was sabotaging the equipment. So they would often ask her to weld do a welding job to repair the equipment that they were using because she didn't get paid as much as the welder but she enjoyed doing it so the boss knew that she would do it so it's kind of how the story starts is right off the beginning you know that there's some kind of spy 
you find out pretty quickly that there's more than one spy in this company that whatever they're making is a secret government thing and it kind of goes from there and of course because she's so educated and she understands a little bit more about the material that they're making the parts out of she becomes curious and she starts kind of investigating to try to find out what it's what the parts are for if they're for like a radio or an airplane or what and when she starts doing this she kind of catches the attention of the spies that are in the in the factory so she kind of gets entangled with that whole thing there's some romance in it because there's a couple of guys who were for different reasons not in the military who were a little sweet on her sweet on her. A little sweet on her. She um, makes friends with some of the other girls who work in the factory and also live in the same boarding house as she does. And it just kind of goes from there and escalates. And you find out more about these spies. And also, her parents have died in a car accident. Um, I can't remember how far back. I, I want to say about a year ago. And um, she finds out more about that. And uh, she also has this aunt, her aunt that I told you was also a physicist. She is a great character. I really liked her because she goes to see her aunt to ask her aunt questions. And her aunt acts like she's like really paranoid. Like she's like, my house is bugged. I'm People are like putting extra money in my groceries when I have them delivered. And just, you know, I just can't even look out the windows and she like cleans her house like from top to bottom every day looking for bugs to make sure that nobody's listening to her and finding out what she's doing and of course Justine is like she's crazy but then you find out that she's not so crazy and there's a reason why she thinks that so there's a lot of like little mysteries throughout this book and yeah, it was it was pretty good. I mean, it wasn't as, you know, heart-wrenchingly sad as the books that I usually read, other than the fact that, you know, her parents are dead. But it was I would recommend it. And I think this would be really good for someone who isn't into super hardcore historical fiction. Like you want something that's a little bit lighter but still learn about history at the same time because of course you know me. I Googled all of this stuff. Of course you did. And the factory that she worked for, I want to say it was called Higgins. And they were actually known for employing women at the same pay rate as men for the job that they were doing. And they did manufacture stuff for the war effort. Hmm. So, huh. yeah, it, w- it was interesting. And you kind of get a little taste of what life was for um, the workers and for the people who were who lived in the boarding houses because you know at this time there was shortages you know it was right off of the depression there were shortages because of the war effort so any little thing that they could get was a treat like one time they had like a bunch of grapes and that was like a huge treat for them just to have grapes or just to have a little bit of sugar so yeah it was it was really good i would recommend it for somebody 
like I said, maybe just starting out with historical fiction. And that again was called The Physicist's Daughter by Mary Anna Evans. And if you're in the building, this version, this copy of the book is signed. And does she bake cookies? Are there cookies or something that she bakes in the book? Because there's a recipe, there's a recipe card that Full Circle had with the, or a cake. Does she make a certain kind of cake? Well, I don't remember oh, them it's just making friendly. a cake, but it's a ration chocolate cake, so it could be something that her aunt made when she was over there, okay. maybe. You know, it's been like a month and a half since I read Fair the enough. book. So <laughs> I just wanted to point out the ration card. Here, maybe, I don't know if you cool. can see it. Maybe we can, I don't think I can hold it. Oh, there's two recipes, actually. Oh. It's a, I'll take a picture of it. We'll post it on our social media so you can see it. But it, they put a little, like... Cake. The second one is and budget chili burgers. Just for a fun fact. And then this one's a chocolate. I'll, we'll post this on our socials for those Mariana who are Mariana Evans has actually been on the show at least twice, maybe three times? At least twice, talking about some of her other books because she's a professor at OU. And when I found that out, I immediately called her up and said, can you come on the show? So that was kind of cool. We got to meet her, and she is very a very cool person. So Am I up because Keith's not here? Uh, yes. Okay. Awesome. So, <laughs> I read a romance. I, wa- a, I would say new adult. I would not call this YA by any means. I read Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuestin. Uh, and I, this book starts off very sweet, and you're like, oh, this is going to be cute. And then it takes a hard left, so I nicknamed this book uh, 50 Shades of Heartstopper because that was the best way to describe it. If you've read Heartstopper and you've read 50 Shades, this book meets both. Um, maybe not quite as kinky. So as I was going to say, Shades. is there a lot of spice in there? There how, is a how, lot of spice. How many Megan blushes does it have? I would give it a solid, like, three Megan blushes. Oh. Yeah, Go so ahead. so we have um, Alex, who is the son of the first female president, and they are from Texas, and he his whole name is Alex Claremont Diaz, so they're also Mexican-American, and so it's there's just a lot of pressure there, because she's the first woman, and then they're fr- partially from Mexico. Obviously, she was born here because she couldn't be president if she wasn't, but here nor there. Or maybe this is an alternate world where that could happen. I don't know. But so he's like the first son and he's super charismatic and he's kind of like that perfect millennial. So the White House press people just like throw him to the press wolves. They're like, go be pretty (laughs) and make us look good. And for a change, is that the mat that's been flying around in my face? Thank Mm -hmm. you. And he has a sister and then. Yeah, it's Martha's fault. Um, he has a sister, and then he has, like, an ex-girlfriend slash friend. And the three of them have kind of become their own little posse of people. And the the White House really loves to send them out. Like, I forget exactly what they're... They have, like, a name. I just can't remember what the name of their little group that they call them in the press is. And he has decided that his personal nemesis in this planet is Henry, the Prince of Wales. Not Harry, because he also is not still the Prince of Wales, but Henry, the Prince of Wales, because they're the same age and they kind of compete for, like, media attention. So he just decided at, like, the Rio Olympics that, like, this was his mortal enemy and he was going to die on this hill. But in any true romance, that starts to change. (laughs) I can't think of what catapults this whole front. Oh, because they go to to a royal wedding of, like, the, the, the... 
trio goes to a royal wedding and he and Henry, Alex and Henry, start kind of like arguing with each other and somehow like kind of tussle and Alex ends up in the wedding cake. It like falls into the cake. Oh, I thought it was like one of those things where he's going to jump out of the cake. He like they tussle and he falls into the $7,000 wedding cake and all the press people are eating that up (laughs) because they're like, you know, there was drinking involved and they're like, oh my God, you know, all this. So they decide to fix it that they're going to make Henry and Alex like be best friends. And they drop like a whole contract that they have to post so many times when they're together. Always, always you. Oh, um, that was me. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say, wait a second. <laughs> I pressed the wrong thing on Facebook. Oh. Sorry. Um, and so they kind of have like a stunt friendship, basically, to try to be like the royals aren't mad at the Americans. The Americans aren't mad at the royals. This is you know they're friends. This was just you know whatever. And they start to become close friends, and they'll like text each other and call each other during the night and like it evolves and it gets a little spicy uh, because they're at a garden party at the white house i believe because henry had come over for to part of his contract of being his friend and they're alone in the garden and what do you know happens uh she gets there's um, no she alex is a is not a the alexander yeah. He gets some um, soil, uh-huh. garden soil stuck in his orifices? No, not quite. Uh, but Henry, but uh, yes, I guess I should have, yeah. Um, Henry, she said guess. <laughs> Henry, Henry makes a move and kisses Alex. And then Alex is like, I don't hate it. I'm ignoring all of you right now. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Alex is like, well, I don't hate this situation. And then Henry freaks out and like runs away because he's like, oh, hell, what did I just do? So then it kind of kicks off from there. Um, and they email each other and the emails are a little spicy. And um, they they go they don't skip on the details of what Henry and Alex are getting into in their private time, which comes back later on in the book because you know nothing can go swimmingly perfect in a romance there has to be a catalyst moment of will they survive this uh i enjoyed it but about 120 pages in i was like yep this is 50 shades of heartstopper like if heartstopper was gonna be a megan blushes this is that book uh but i i did thoroughly enjoy it i i like the idea of like what happens when you're the white house like first son and the pressure and he's this he and henry is the spare his older brother is the heir and so it's him trying to you know decide where he fits in the royal family it does have the echoes of (laughs) prince harry because it's kind of that same thing like do i do i do i buck the royal family do i stay with the royal family i don't know what's happened so he kind of and that's why i did not read this for a really long time because i was like i really don't just want to hear prince harry but like in a different version. Um, so I, I didn't read it for a really long time and they cast, they announced the movie is coming out in a, like, I think within the year. And I saw who was cast and I was like, now I got to read the book. Uh, so we will post when the movie's coming out. We'll use it for a social, but, uh, I enjoyed it. I think it told a good story. I think it, it was an intriguing story, a very modern, modern story, even though it's a romance, and there's people who you want to trust 
and then you don't want to trust them, but then you think you can trust them. So there's a little bit of intrigue because it's also an election year for his mother to for her second term. So it's really like the press is really vitally important to her at that point because she's running for the her second term as president and being the first female president. So I highly recommend it. If you really if you liked Heartstopper, you definitely will like this book. And if you have not read Heartstopper, you should also read that because the show is amazing. Um, but that was Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. Go read it, buy it, love it, so you're ready for the movie when it comes out. Okay, then. And that is three Megan blushes. I don't know if Keith has read that one or not. I'm sure she to has. To tell me if that is an accurate description of Megan blushes, but... Who should know better than you, Megan? It, it was, yeah, but it was created by Keith. But it was created yeah. by Keith. Yeah. yeah. But I would say it's a solid three Megan blushes because there are times where they're like, very descriptive <laughs> and you're kind of like it's not, it's not it just shocked me because at first i thought this was ya and then i was like no this is definitely new adult because they're like in their 20s but they didn't hold back at all i was like okay mm. and then they're writing really spicy emails to each other back and forth so oh. talking about like what they're gonna do to each other when they see each other oh yeah <laughs> okay it was a great book though i thoroughly enjoyed it all right, let's move right along down the line to our furthest traveler. You should get a prize for being the, fur- <laughs> the person not, to travel the furthest to, to the podcast. Not the ugly earrings. Do not give me yeah. the ugly earrings. Oh, yes, Pat, we have this. Yeah. Pat has on her um, rat tax- feet. Taxidermied rat feet earrings for the, for the start of the Halloween season. Yes, we're, right. I'm going to have her take one off and hang it up in front of the camera well, yeah. or oh, later. Okay. Keith, oh, okay. Keith says, I'll take a picture of it. Keith <laughs> says, duh. So, Keith, tell me, was I, um, if you hunk, that's a three. I might need to redo my scale. So, Keith, would you say it's a two? I guess you're right. Maybe two, two and a half. Megan blushes. Is that more accurate, Keith, based on your scale? So, anyway... The reason that we brought up the ugly earrings is because I was cleaning out my closet recently (laughs) from because I got new carpet in the in the closet and I found these earrings somehow in this package I ordered from Zulily. This extra thing was in there and I didn't order any earrings a B. I never ever would have ordered earrings this hideous. I like these earrings. I don't know what you're talking about. They are the ugliest earrings I've ever seen in my entire life. And I was mentioning this to Pat because she was asking me about Zulily. And she said, hey, why don't we give those away at the podcast? So I thought, yeah, we'll give them away and they'll become the traveling earrings. So, so, so if you win them, you have to come back to the next podcast and pass, and them, pass off. them on to someone else. Please clean them first. <laughs> God, I, don't, I can't imagine anybody wearing them. I like them. <laughs> Keith well, says no accounting for taste. Keith Keith says on her scale that red, white, and royal blue would be a two Megan blush. So I feel like that's a fair assessment. Consider the source. No, but I feel like that three may be exact because that's not a five. Okay. So I, yeah, two, two and a half Megan blushes. I okay. retract my three. All right. So let's move along to Miss Pat Griner, who traveled all the way from Casper, Wyoming, to be here with us tonight. And I have a wonderful book to talk about. It is called Arcadia by Lauren Groff. And it's it's the story, basically, of growing up in an old hippie colony. And (sighs) since I consider myself kind of an old hippie. She's an old hippie. (laughs) (laughs) It it had some appeal to me right off. Mm -hmm. The narrator in this book, 
uh, we meet, we see him at four different points in his life. His, his actual name is Ridley Stone, but they call him Bit because when he's born, he's, he's born a premature. He's only three pounds. Oh, wow. And they call him the littlest bit of a hippie. Oh, that's so cute. And his parents are amongst the founders of this Arcadia colony, which is in western New York State. Right. But they find a property that they can acquire that has this huge, old, crumbling, decaying mansion on it. And so this group of, of hippies <coughs> moves onto the property. Their leader is a guy who is a sometime musician, not a big enough one to be a big star, but enough to make some money. And, and uh, his name is Handy. And Bit's parents are Abe and Hannah, and Abe is an architect. They move on to this property. Abe oversees the renovation of the mansion, which is a process that takes years. And while they're renovating it, because of course they're doing it with next to no money, next to no materials, they're just cobbling everything together as they can. So they live in vans and RVs and, and even just cars parked around this property, uh, which they call Airsats Arcadia until they can get the building done. And on the day after years of labor that they finally finish the building and they're ready to move in, they're having a big celebration. Abe goes up to the roof, I think, to put up a, a sign or a flag, make some final touch to it, and he falls off the roof and is paralyzed. Oh. Oh. So, yeah. So he is in a wheelchair, and, and Hannah, his wife, Bit's mother, suffers from bouts of depression and she goes for weeks sometimes without being able to make herself get out of bed oh and you see all this through bits eyes and mm -hmm. bit because the first first portion of the book is narrated when he's five years old mm -hmm. and he is he loves arcadia he just sees it as a magical place he can a five-year-old in a hippie colony where there's next to no rules he can pretty much run wild everybody kind of looks out for him and he's cool. for him it's a magical entirely good place but bit eventually falls in love with heli who is the daughter of handy the colony founder and heli sees things very differently she's not happy there she remembers it as a place where they were always cold, always hungry. Oh. There was never enough of the comforts. She's, and she grows up to be a very troubled person. But Bit is in love with her from the time they are little children. Oh. The next portion of the book uh, is when Bit is 14 years old. He discovers photography and begins to fall in love with that part of the art. But Arcadia is starting to fall apart by this point. Mm. It's, uh, it's become a magnet for not only idealistic old hippies, but drug-ravaged people, people who have nowhere else to go, people who are just there for the party. They don't want to work. They don't want to contribute mm. to the community. They just want to sponge off of everybody. And so things start to fall apart. There's a celebrate, an annual celebration that goes horribly wrong. Someone shows up and spikes all the, the punch, or the drinks with LSD, and people <laughs> go on, people go on seriously bad trips. Helly becomes the victim of a sexual assault. Oh my gosh! Uh, and and everything is starting to crumble. And then, the next portion you see from. Uh, Bit is 35 years old. He's no longer living there. Arcadia has broken up. 
and he is he's become a college photography professor oh he and Helly got married and one day Helly went out for a walk and never, never came, came back. back oh man and bit spends his life waiting for her to come back wondering <sighs> what happened taking care of their daughter and then the final section of it is when bit is 50 years old and is dealing with the eventual death of his parents. They go back to Arcadia because the children, what would be um, Helly's brother, the, one of the other children of Handy, has inherited Arcadia House because technically it belonged to Handy. So he inherits it and he turns it into a, a slick, uh, he, he starts an ad agency and, and like multimedia production company turns it into a really slick production studio, but it doesn't do all that well, and mm. all of that stuff falls apart. <laughs> but the Abe and, and Bit and uh, Hannah end up living back in a little cottage on the grounds of Arcadia. And so everything kind of comes full circle. But it's a, first of all, it's just beautifully written. The descriptions are sometimes breathtaking. And it's about how, what we, what, how you see your childhood and how that molds you and informs you as you grow up through your life. More like how you perceive your childhood. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, what, what Bit sees as idyllic and perfect, Helly sees as a nightmare. Mm -hmm. So the two of them take very different paths even though they came from the same, same setting. Hmm. But it is, it's just a beautifully written book. I really, it's characters that, that will stay alive for you and that you think about for days and weeks and months after you finish it. Cool. So that is Arcadia by Lauren Groff. All right, I guess it's time for the weird to come out and play. <laughs> this is a book that I thought that I'd already talked about. Read this one first, and then I read another book by the same author, and I reviewed the second book hanging on to this one for this event, and I kept referring back. <laughs> so I had to go, after we finished recording the podcast, I had to go in and cut myself out talking about this book, which I'm gonna review today, which is called My Year of Meats by Ruth Ozeki. And it's her debut novel, but it was written back in the 90s. I do believe 1998. And it is a book about the main character, Jane Takagi Little, she works as a documentarian, but she doesn't really have a whole lot of control over the work she's doing. She's working uh, for a producer of a Japanese, a Japanese cooking show about Americans for a meat company. So basically, her job is to highlight meat to get Japanese people to eat more beef. So, of course, she's, she wants to be a serious documentarian. And at first, she doesn't really have a whole lot of control. But as time goes by, her boss starts to grudgingly give her a little bit more leeway. The show is called My American Wife. And the producer who lives in Japan, his wife is then forced by, his, by the husband, the producer guy, to make the recipes that are featured on the show. So she's always, she's kind of roped into this thing and you can tell she does not have a very happy life at all. 
because her husband is very overbearing. She doesn't really want to participate in this at all. And he ends up to be a real jerk. But the interesting journey for me in reading this book was discovering a couple of different things. Discovering the way Americans are portrayed on Japanese television is fascinating. Just that on its own is a fantastic reason to read the book. But the other thing that you see is you begin to see Jane, the main character, change the way she feels after she goes and interviews the perfect American wife. So she, she goes around the country and she does these documentaries about these different women who are the perfect wives. Well, at, at one point in the show, she decides that she's gonna choose these two lesbian women. Well, she knows the guy's not gonna be happy about that to start with, but she goes ahead and she does it anyway. And the other thing that she didn't really take into account is the fact that they're both vegetarians so she sort of starts to ask questions of these women you know was what what reason brought you to this life change you know why did you stop eating meat and so they begin to talk a little bit about some of the things that they had heard about like the growth hormones and the antibiotics and all of these different things that you know about but you just don't really delve into and so she becomes a whistleblower of sorts for all this horrible stuff that's going on behind the scenes in the meat industry. It is absolutely horrifying and fascinating at the same time to watch her go through this, pro- this process. And at the same time, she's a young woman who still has to try to navigate the possible relationships she wants to have. And this guy she's kind of seeing, she doesn't want any of her staff to know she's dating him. So he'll show up at whatever hotel they're at in whatever city they're at. He'll say, oh, I'm the meat inspector of Minnesota. And he'll show up in a different garb, you know, and go into a room. and, And of course, the people she's working for know what's going on. They just never say anything because they're very polite, you know, and they're all Japanese. So there's that fun little thing going on behind the scenes as you're reading the book as well. You find out a lot about her. She's a really sympathetic and wonderful character. And just overall, it was a really enjoyable book to read. And at the same time, you find out some really disgusting things about meat companies. I don't want to know. I want to enjoy my food. I I, I have to admit that... For a couple of weeks after that, I was having a very hard time looking at my food in the same way. I remember when I was in junior high school and my social studies teacher taught about the book The Jungle by Upton Sinclair. Mm -hmm. And to this day, I still will not eat a hot dog because of that book. Do not ruin that food for me. It's the one thing I eat on the grill in the summer. I know. So I will give you that caveat if you decide to read the book that you are definitely going to learn some interesting things about the meat industry. But the combination of Japanese television and the meat industry, was, it was just a fascinating way to look at another culture. Such a fun ride. And that was called My Year of Meats by Ruth Ozeki. Highly recommend. And just weird enough for me.
I'll leave that one to you. <laughs> I'll take the hippie colony before yep. I read my year of meat. And see, I read The Jungle, and the only thing I can think of when they were describing the meat companies in such a bad way is we have a lot of more laws and stuff than they did back then. And the reason we have those laws is because of that book. Mm -hmm. Right, yes, I know. So that was what's so cool about it. I mean, if you go back in history and you look at all of the way, you know, the FDA does all of the work that they do, it's because of whistleblower um, journalists. Right. So hot dogs that you would buy way back then compared to hot dogs now? Ground up beaks and buttholes, okay? They still Still are. Still taste good on the grill, I don't care. They're delicious beaks and buttholes. Um, Lips and anuses. Do you want to know something really upsetting about the FDA that I learned in all my years of food safety? That, you know, how we import so much of our food and stuff from other places. Uh, only 1% of all the food imported into the country is actually inspected by the FDA before it comes off the boat. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. If I have to live with that, you all do too. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Megan. Hey, that was one Thanks. of those things. When, you know, when, Appreciate when they, they furlough the FDA, guess what also isn't happening? Not only that. No inspections. Right. So uh, no recalls because no one's inspecting the plants. Uh. So when they furlough the FDA, when I used to work for Kroger, like the day they'd be like, the FDA, like furlough's over. And I was like, cool, we're about to get 15 recalls in about an hour and a half. <laughs> and sure enough, the day, like by the end of the day, I'd have just recall after recall oh, after recall man. in my email because they weren't working and inspecting any plants. So, yeah. There are a lot of good reasons that we that we have safety <coughs> measures in place, and I'm glad that we do. But it was still a really fun and interesting read. Just just looking through the lens of different people's lives, the different wives, and the reason that they chose each one. It was just such a good book. And I read the other book by this one by um, Ruth Ozeki. I read a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I reviewed it on the podcast a few weeks ago. It was called yeah, because she was talking. She's like, yeah, you know, I reviewed her other book, and she was like, she yeah, is, you know. she is really a good writer. Yeah, she sat there and was like, yeah, you know, I reviewed the Year of Meats, and we're like, no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so I kept referring back to it all the time, and they're looking at me like I'd lost my tiny mind. I did kind of lose my tiny mind. I thought maybe I just wasn't paying attention to her when she reviewed <laughs> Which it. Which they usually don't pay any attention to me when I'm That's doing That's not my true. Reviews. I always sort of pay attention. Sort of. Sometimes. Unless the TikTok video is just really good. See, that's what they do. They sit <laughs> but there, I can't they look TikTok. up TikTok videos and I, share them back and forth I'm and joking. snicker the entire time. I can't time. TikTok because I can't hear the audio. <laughs> I know. I was joking. I don't TikTok when we're doing our Zoom calls. I have been known to possibly read fan fiction, though. <laughs> Uh, I play solitaire on my phone. Exactly. Well, you used to color when I was doing my review, so I don't even want to hear it. Colored my ex- my explicit coloring book. And the oh, here app, it is. All over, all over creation. This one was about genetically modified potatoes. And it turns out that she is now a Buddhist priest or something now. Something along those lines. She's a Canadian-American. Fascinating woman. Well, Megan gets our social media sorted out. Yeah, it's fine. I'm just. We know. do want to do one last push for Patreon. If you're not a Patreon member yet, yeah, please sign up today and help us out. You're helping us with a variety of different things to pay for equipment, to hopefully pay for some future trips to other cities to do live shows, which we're very excited about the possibility of doing that. So pass them around the word to everybody. 
We're going to get this thing on the road and done. Apparently our lives stopped. <laughs> I think it cut us off. Oh, great. It just stopped, though, so it's okay. Bye, Facebook world. And that's going to do it for Three Book Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. And join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.